Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, we got a few things that we want to do today. Again, uh, we got plenty of stuff over there, coffee, food to eat. Please, I need you to eat the food or take it home because this is the horrible part of being a pastor is whatever's food is left over, it's, it's mandated by scripture that I have to eat it afterwards. And so really don't want to. Uh, so again, partake, enjoy, let this kick off your Christmas season with all the carbohydrates and all that as we do to celebrate the birth of Jesus by eating all the sugar and everything like that. Um, but this season, so we, we were supposed to have a Christmas party for our leaders because they put a lot of effort, a lot of work that you don't see. Sometimes you do see. Uh, and we just decided with the season that we were in, it was supposed to be like a week ago, we canceled it. And I'm kind of glad we did. We had a couple COVID positives and I think it wouldn't have been a, a good event to have. And, um, and so I'm glad that we did, but it was kind of a bummer because, um, you know, you need a lot of encouragement when you're putting a lot of prayer, effort, planning, um, to organize you guys, you know, that's a lot of work. And so they do uh, an amazing job. So we just want to kind of honor them, uh, today. we got some, uh, some homemade gifts uh, for each of them. And so uh, what I want to do is uh, I'm going to call them up and then um, we're going to give them the gifts and then we're just going to pray for them as a way just to honor them. And so Ephraim and Ashley, come on up. Jose and Nayeli, Justin and Beth, I think they are, uh, they're working. Uh, Christine, you're part of it too. Wifey, we get something. So come on up. Uh, Andrew Brock. David and Salan, John and Katrina, Ken Buells, Andrew and Trish, if they're here, come on up. This is not. Yeah, if you're not here, we get to take your gifts. Lorley, you too. Yeah, and Brian. Is Brian going to come up? Is he going to, are we going to get him up here? All homemade good stuff there, cookies, a little something, something. There's no there's no money or anything like that, so just just sugar, things like that. Uh, I just want to recognize you guys. These are some of the guys, and some people aren't here today, but um, again, the Bible's really clear as far as just to be able to honor and appreciate your leaders. Uh, these guys pray for you. They plan. They're putting in extra time. We have meetings. So while you're at home, they're driving around doing things. They're getting here early, uh, staying late, and um, and they're just great to work with. And this is, to me, what makes ministry a pleasure as far as they're an encouragement to me. And um, what's cool, too, is I respect them just as much off the stage as when on the stage. And so, um, you know, if you see them, just give them a high five and encouragement and just recognizing just the effort that they put out. And also to remind you, too, the Bible does say um, – Make it enjoyable for people that lead you. So when they're calling you, when they're texting you, when they're saying, hey, we're recruiting for this, a healthy church is one where there's a joy to serve, not like they have to chase you down seven, eight emails and phone calls. And just, that makes it enjoyable. Uh, they get paid absolutely nothing. Uh, all their earnings are going to be in heaven someday because <laughs> we don't pay them. Um, but um, they do it out of the love of their hearts and their love for you. And so um, I just want to pray for you guys. 
And I uh, hope you have Merry Christmas. And bum, we couldn't have the Christmas party, but we're going to reschedule it at some point at a better time. So, Jesus, um, just thank you for each person here and the people that aren't here, uh, the elders that lead, uh, the ministry team leaders that lead. Uh, God, we pray that you bless their families. We pray that uh, for 2021 that you bless their time. Give them the space to continue to lead. Give them a joy when they get tired and when they get frustrated. Just a sense of that their ministry would be done out of faith. And God, I pray for us as a church that we'd make it um, enjoyable for people that lead, for people that are trying to um, organize for us, that are trying to motivate us, that are trying to train us, God, that we'd be a church that it's enjoyable to serve one another. And, uh, and so I just pray for a special blessing upon them, their family. I pray for their kids, that when they're putting in extra time, extra effort, and maybe mom and dad aren't around as much, I pray that their kids uh, would see what they're doing it for and who they're doing it for, and that their kids would, they would leave a, a legacy of ministry that our children and our grandchildren would continue to serve you, God. And so, God, we pray you just for a blessing for them, and we thank you this year for all that they've done for us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you, guys. Grab your, grab your uh, custom dessert. Hey, also, the elder board and the church got a Christmas present for Pastor Brian. What? It's a secret. It's coming How dare you? It's worth $1,000 of love, <laughs> much less of real money. So, anyways, we love you, man. We want to honor you, too. Merry Christmas. Thank you. I appreciate it. I feel the love. Thank you. All right, if you have your uh, Bibles, uh, we're going to be, we're not in John just for today. We're going to take a break. By the way, next week, we'll jump back into John. Um, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today. Luke 1. I don't know if you guys know the, uh, the history of Christmas, but it is kind of interesting as far as like kind of how it started. Uh, to me, it's always interesting to know the history of something or kind of how things started. So um, it actually started back in the 4th century as an alternative to a pagan holiday, uh, which is a lot of times what Christians do is they're looking for alternatives um, as far as, ah, we don't really want to necessarily participate in that. I don't know if you know this, a lot of hymns, as spiritual as people make them, which I think is funny, like that, that's real worship, not this modern day stuff like that. They forget that those hymns are usually stolen like bar tunes. Like they literally just ripped off whatever the latest groove was back in the, you know, 19th century, 18th century. And they just put Christian words to it. Um, and so it's just kind of these bar tunes that people sang and they just kind of is an alternative. So we can put maybe some better lyrics to it and, and things like that. And so um, Christmas was kind of the same thing. It's actually a pagan holiday. And Christian's like, yeah, we don't really want to participate in pagan worship. So. And they kind of uh, made it um, something a little bit different. It's kind of been on and off as far as something that's been celebrated. I don't know if you know this uh, about our good old United States of America, but it actually, in certain parts of the United States, it was banned for a certain amount of uh, certain amount of time. And I don't know why it was banned, but um, it was uh, it was banned. I think uh, the Christmas trees and presents and things like that. Um, so it's gone through its tough times, but now it's made a comeback and it's it's going strong. Um, and Americans over time, though, have changed it uh, from a, a holiday really as an alternative holiday to honor Jesus to, you know, it's more about presents and having a break and, you know, uh, spending and other things, <laughs> you know, like that, shopping and stuff like that. Um, and so today what we want to do is just continue to remind ourselves as far as it is a kind of a unique time uh, to look at a unique circumstance. Um, Christmas, though, to me... It kind of reminds me of, um, well, 
my daughter, when she was younger, and we still watch Harry Potter. It's still one of our favorites when it's cold and we put on the Harry Potter movies and, and watch that. It's, it's comforting. But I remember when she was younger and uh, she was, we were watching Harry Potter and she just said, um, I wish magic was real. She just wished that we could all have a wand and you could do things, you know, and say certain things and make things change and do things. And, and so she's at this realization of this story that she enjoyed so much realizing that it's fake. Those are actors, but I wish it was real. And a lot of times we can approach the Bible that way where it's a good story. It makes me feel good. It kind of comforts me, gives me the warm fuzzies, you know, and there's a God out there and it's all about peace, love and harmony, things like that. But there's something in it that's like, I wish it was real. And that's the, the power of Christianity and the power of uh, Christmas is, is that it makes God real. That's the power of Jesus. That's what makes him unique is this thought of God for all of human history. Man has made up who God is. We've had all these different religions that we're, we're hoping of who God is. And Jesus comes and he gives us concrete evidence of who God is. And I hope that this Christmas it gives you confidence in who Jesus is. Uh, and that it really is not just something that gives you the warm fuzzies and that you wish is true, but it really practically impacts your life. The Christmas story is in two books, Matthew and Luke, and we're going to look at the, the story from Luke. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26, we'll see that the Christmas story actually didn't start with Mary. It started a little bit before that. In verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin uh, pledged to be uh, married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. An interesting response after this. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was not too excited to see an angel. <laughs> she was not too excited to, to be visited uh, and to say that you are highly favored. It kind of sounds good, but I don't know if you've noticed when you read the Bible, people that are highly favored by God, they go through some interesting circumstances. That when God visits people, they, they go on an interesting journey. It doesn't feel like I'm favored, right? You go through the Old Testament, people that were favored by God, they had to go through some interesting things. This, this nation of Israel that were favored by God, they went through captivity, and then they had to go on this this, this journey through a desert for 40 years, and they had to, to experience all these crazy things. And so sometimes being favored by God can actually be scary. We tend to think being favored by God means everything goes your way, right? Have you seen someone where life is going their way? It's like, oh, they're so favored by God. But when you read the Bible, it doesn't go that way. So I think Mary was a little skeptical. You who are favored by God, hmm, what do you mean by that? I feel like that there's going to be a clause here, something... Well, she's right. It's going to be an interesting journey. It says that Mary was greatly troubled, but then it said the angel said to her, listen, even though you're favored by God, do not be afraid. Remember, you have found favor with God. Remember, whenever you read the Bible, that whenever anything is repeated over and over again, that's like an exclamation point because the Greek doesn't have any kind of like periods and exclamation points and anything like that. And so to reiterate a point, it's a big deal. No, 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 listen, you're favored by God. 
you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Just so you know, the, the name Jesus is an Old Testament name, Joshua. It just means salvation. If you want to write that in your Bible or write that in your notes, Jesus is an Old Testament uh, name, Joshua, and it means salvation. Uh, and so when you hear the words Jesus Christ, Christ means anointed one. So Jesus Christ means anointed to save people. He's equipped. He's skilled to save people. He's created to save people, Jesus Christ. And so you're going to name him salvation. So when everyone hears the name of Jesus, when you sing the name of Jesus, when you say that his name's above all names, is he literally you're singing salvation. That's the meaning of the name. It reminds us of who he is, his heart, and who God is. He's a God who saves. He's a God who seeks the lost. And, his, and he goes on to say, he says, he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So he says all these great things, and I love Mary. I mean, she's a practical young woman. She says, well, how will this be? How's all this going to take place? I don't know if you realize this, but I'm a virgin. So let, let's walk this through. There's some basic sex ed here that we're going to kind of go through, right? I don't know if you've ever been there with God where, where you read the Bible, you read things, or you maybe feel like God put something on your heart that he wants you to do or, or something like that, but it's always how will it be? And if you notice that, God would, will sometimes reveal the end to you, but he won't reveal how you get there. He will reveal who he wants you to become. He will reveal maybe some things that he wants you to do. He lays some things on your heart. Or the scriptures talk about the kind of person he wants us to be. But he doesn't always right there tell you how you're going to get there. That's called faith. Right? Christmas is a story about faith. It's about, hey, if God is meeting you, he meets you because he finds favor with you. And as he finds favor with you, in order for you to have that favor fulfilled, you're going to require faith. You see, sometimes we can't receive favor because we don't have faith. But the favor is still there. But I lack the faith. And so maybe I don't experience God's favor. And so then I think, no, maybe God doesn't favor me. No, he does. But it requires faith to trust him. To trust him on this journey. Well, the, the, the angel has an answer, and God always has an answer for us. He says, well, listen, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Just so you know that in this Christmas story, it's always a great illustration that anything that God does great in your life will be because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It will not be because of your own power, because of your own intellect, your own might. It'll be because of the power of God to do miraculous things. We cannot do those on our own. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The Holy One will be born, and he'll be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month already. And then a powerful statement here. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God. Anytime we read God's words, they never fail. They will always come to fruition. And here's Mary's response. This is one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. Mary's response where she says, look at, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And it says, then the angel uh, left her. It's a powerful Christmas story, something that God continues to do today.
Christmas stories where God, one of his names is Emmanuel, God is with us. One of the things we see about the Christmas story is the character of God. It's not just the birth of Jesus, but it's the character of God. It's that God pursues us. And he pursues us because he finds favor in us. And I know for some of us, like, why would God find favor in me? Maybe I don't feel that way. I don't know. But he does. That's what makes God so amazing. He finds favor. He's looking for people, though, to experience his favor. You see, for each one of us, God has assignments. For each one of us, God desires for his spirit to overshadow you, to you to experience a life that you can't believe. Again, Mary could never, there's just no way that she could know what God wanted to do. Even at this point, she's like, God finds favor for you. I'm going to give you a son. It's like, okay. She could not know the journey that she was on, the things that she would witness, the miracles that she would see her son do the death and the resurrection, she could not imagine, but it takes faith to experience his favor. Christmas is one of those things when you think about, it's kind of exclusive, which is not real good, right? We tend to think of like, well, no, Christianity is inclusive. It's for all. It's for all, but do all experience it? Same thing for Christmas, like it's peace and love and joy for all. Who experiences this? It's interesting. Who does God go to when we read the Bible? Who does Jesus truly interact with? Who really experiences his favor? Well, it's first of all, it's a teenage girl. Think about this. Jesus decides to come to this earth through a teenage girl who lives out in the boonies. She's not super educated. She's not super spiritual. She doesn't have any religious titles. He decides to come through her. Think about who Jesus primarily interacts with. He goes and he talks to prostitutes. I don't know if anyone has gone and talked to a prostitute lately. Nobody's going to raise it, right? The people that we avoid are the people that we, right, the poor. Back then, anyone that was lame or a beggar, a disability, they were looked at as far as God does not find favor with them, and that's exactly who Jesus goes to. Why? Why does Jesus go to the poor? Why does it go to those that don't have any status, that don't have great looks, that don't have great power? Why is that where Jesus primarily goes? Because it's people who are humble who tend to have faith in God. Because here's the thing is if I have the looks, if I have the power, if I have the money, if I have all these things, I feel like I've already found favor. Life has already found favor with me. I don't need favor from God. And that's why the Bible says the most dangerous place to be is when you feel like you have everything. That's the most dangerous place to be because why would I need God if I have everything? We see this with Mary's response. Later on, um, she's talking to Elizabeth, and and Elizabeth says, you know, that you found so much favor with God. And this is what Mary said in, in verse 46, Luke 146. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices And God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of who? The humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And all holy means is exclusive, separate. Holy is the name of Jesus. It's unique. His mercy extends to those who what? Who fear him from generation to generation. 
He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up who? Who does God lift up? The humble. The Christmas story is most powerful for the humble. And for many of us, we feel like, I wish I had more. Or I wish I had it all. Or sometimes we can be jealous of people that they have things that we want. or you know, And we live in a culture where it's all about accumulation, right? Accumulating things and having it all together. But the Bible says that's actually the most dangerous thing because you can actually miss the power of Christmas. Is that Jesus comes and he visits those things. And he's looking to find favor for those. But who finds his favor? It's the humble. It's the ones who realize they need a savior. They need salvation. And that have faith. God's favor is found through faith. And here's the crazy thing is it takes faith because we don't know the next steps. But we know the end results. We don't know the next steps, but we know the end results. We know that every word of God, all his promises, all his provisions, and his power always come to fruition, even when it doesn't look like this. Think about the journey from Mary. She got these words. And think about the next 33 years is she would see nothing of this. Right? Think about the first 30 years, her son would not even do any major miracles. And when I, like for 30 years, like if you raise the son of God, you'd figure by 12, he'd be busting out miracles, right? Especially as a teenager, maybe a little cocky, right? Busting out miracles. I mean, if you're going to walk on water, do it when you're 13, right? Just prove all, all the other 13-year-olds, you're weak. Look what I can do. Nothing. I mean, you got to wonder, am I really raising the son of God? He's just learning how to craft wood like his dad. He's, a, you know, working with wood and building things and all that. And, you know, what's going on here? Sometimes God's maybe put certain promises in our hearts or certain provisions or laid certain things for us in the future, and we wonder, when's it going to come to fruition? And this is the thing. God's words never fail. This is the power of Christmas. The power of Christmas is that we can trust God because he sent his son, and who did he send his son to? The humble. Who misses Christmas? The arrogant, the prideful, the ones who don't see God as one, a need for salvation, but maybe just another option as they look at other things in life to fulfill themselves. Christmas kind of consolidates things for us, pointing us to Jesus. Have you heard of a man, raise your hand, I'm wondering, named Thomas Chisholm. How many of you guys have heard of Thomas Chisholm? How dare you guys? How dare you uneducated Christians? Put your hands down. Now you're lying in church. You're going to need two communion cups. Two communion cups for you. Yeah. Maybe even three. He was uh, born in Kentucky in 1866. Died in 1960 at 94. Became a Christian at 27 and a pastor at 36. He had poor health his whole life. How many of us desire poor health? Anybody pray for poor health this week? Nope. Nobody, right? Nobody prayed for poor health. Um, and his ministry never flourished. Never grew. 
never went to a pastor's conference, never was a leader of leaders. People just kind of looked at him like, you poor guy, never could make it in ministry. He sold life insurance, there you go, in New Jersey. I mean, this guy's life is bad. Poor health living in New Jersey, selling life insurance. I'm sorry if you sell life insurance. At least you live in California, though. Out of his pain and out of his misery, he wrote over 1,200 poems. And he says this. In 1945, he wrote a letter toward the latter part of his life. He says, my income has not been large at any time due to my impaired health in the earlier years, which followed me until now. Although I must not fail to record here that the unfailing faithfulness of the covenant-keeping God and that he has given me on many wonderful displays of his providing care, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. You see, this man, because he did not have great health, had to rely on others, and he did not have money, so he relied on doctors and people paying for his bills. So he was loved deeply. He had many miracles where uh, doctors couldn't help him, and so he had to pray, and it was either God or it never happened. He experienced God at such a deep level that many of us will never experience. Why? Because he saw himself like Mary, where I'm just your humble servant, and I rely on you. You are my salvation. No government, no education, no doctors. I'm not saying you don't use education. I'm not saying you don't use a doctor, but they're not my primary source of salvation and provision and promises and power. It primarily comes from God. Out of his pain... He would inspire millions of people, even though they don't know his name. But here's the thing about Thomas is I don't think he wanted his name to be glorified. He considered himself a humble servant. He wanted God's name to be glorified. And so he wrote a song. I don't know if you've heard of this song called Great is Thy Faithfulness. Has anyone heard of that song? Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's one of the top five hymns in the world. And what's amazing is the notoriety didn't even come until after he died. God didn't even let him glory in it while he was alive. It was after he died. I want to encourage you with this. Many of us see God as a, as a, it's the next thing. Like if I'm favored by God, then tomorrow I should see the fruit of that favor. And I want to encourage you with this. The fruit of God tends to grow slow and it tends to grow underground. But when it does grow, it's powerful and it's beautiful. And here's the thing. The fruit of God is not about your glory. It's about his glory. It's about his glory. And our favor is this, not the things we get from God, but the person of God. The favor is this, is that you get to know Jesus, that your life is filled with purpose here in a world that is desperate for purpose. Have we noticed this year the world is desperate for purpose? The world is desperate for hope. The world is living in fear. This is the time for Christians to shine, where we can make Jesus shine as far as, yes, this life is showing that we are weak, we are broken, we are fragile. It's showing that we hold on to this life so tight, forgetting that there's a whole eternity that we're living for. Where do we get that from? We get that from Jesus. We get that from Jesus. I want to encourage you with this, is that Many times we look at God's looking to use that person, that super talented person, that super educated person. Mm -mm. God seeks the person living in Temecula. He seeks the teenage girl. He seeks us while we're married, and he seeks us after the painful divorce. 
He seeks us through the miscarriages. He seeks us through the depression. He seeks us through the health issues. He seeks us in the midst of the pandemic. He seeks us when we're most humble. And for most of us, it takes being broken to be humble. And you might wish you weren't broken, but here's the thing. That brokenness is the very thing is where you're going to find the favor of God. Be careful about what we wish for. The things of this world that don't give us any salvation, any hope. Trust God in the journey. Mary had to. It was a long journey to see what salvation really looked like. And here's the crazy thing is salvation was her son on the cross dying in front of her. And what she didn't know is three days later, it'd be a son that would be resurrected. You might see certain things on the cross that look dead. I want to encourage you with this. God is not the God of death. He's the God of resurrection. You'll only experience it if you humble yourself. Do not seek the things of this world. Do not seek the power. Do not seek the promotions. Do not seek the looks. Do not seek the money. Because if that's where your salvation is, your life is flimsy. Find favor in this, that you know Jesus, Jesus knows you, and you get to walk with life with him. And however bad life is, if you serve him, for eternity you will be glorified forever. That brings me hope. That brings me hope whether I have good health or bad health, whether I live 47 years or 97 years. Whether people know me or my name is never known, whether I get everything I want or I get nothing, it's not about what I have, it's about who I have. My Christmas message to you is this. Jesus comes to you today and he finds favor with you. He finds favor. But to receive it, you've got to have faith. So we're just going to kind of sit in that. I hope this Christmas, I hope you enjoy the gifts. I hope you enjoy the shopping. In the midst of that, I hope you most of all, you find the favor of God. And that 2021 will be this. People are like, oh, it's going to be better. I don't know if it's going to be better or not. But here's the thing. I know if you have God, 2020 has been amazing for me. Why? Because I have Jesus. 2021 will be amazing if I have Jesus. How do I know if I have Jesus? Brian, stay humble. Stay humble. I'm just your servant, God. Whether it works out for me, church works out, family works out, finances work out, all that. If I just have Jesus, it always works out because I'm with him. So as we worship, I know we're going to be singing Christmas songs, kind of a weird time to take communion. It's like, wait, that's about the death and resurrection because that's what it culminates to. His name means salvation. And salvation is not found in the birth. It's found in the death and resurrection. So today, if you find peace in Jesus, find favor in Jesus, I encourage you this. Show it. Take communion. Maybe with family or friends, you can pray together and appreciate the favor of God. Thank him for it. But maybe for some of us, that's a step of faith today. Maybe for some of us, you're like, I don't know. I mean, do I trust God or not trust God? You can make that decision by going to taking communion saying, Jesus, I trust you. That no matter what, for this next year, I receive your favor and I want to walk humbly with you. I just want to serve you. I want to experience you in a very personal way because that's what Christmas is. It's not a religious thing. It's a personal relationship thing that he has with you. So we can do that as we sing these wonderful songs. As the worship team comes up, I'm just going to pray and and we'll take time and just worship. Jesus, we thank you so much that, that you came, that we can know that with this life, the greatest favor any of us can have 
is not more things, but a relationship with you. That if we're with you, no matter what happens, we have favor. No matter what our health, we have favor. No matter what the status of our relationships, we have favor. No matter what the status of our job, we have favor. Because we know the King of kings and Lord of lords. We know the one who holds this whole world in their hands. We know the one who allows people to be leaders and not leaders and is in control of it all. I pray this Christmas that the peace would not come through any gifts that we get from someone, but the gift we get from you, God. And that's just knowing. That's just knowing you. I pray the greatest gift we can have would be a heart that, that fears you and desires to know you, to know your word. To really get to know you, not what we think of you, but to get to know you. I pray as a church, God, that we would grow in that and that we would grow in just trusting you on this journey. It's a long journey and we would take it day by day. And even when it doesn't look like it's working out, knowing you work out all things for those who love you. So we worship you, Jesus. Thank you for this wonderful Christmas gift of God in the flesh. We don't have to guess who God is, but we can actually know you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 